Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the 2050 Problem Podcast. Um, I am here with Aislinn Welch. Um, she passed a ban on the use of styrofoam at school events or school-sponsored events um, in her town in California. Um, and this encompassed more than just the cafeteria. Um, and she actually accomplished this in middle school. She's currently not in middle school. Um, but I, and I'm sure you guys are very interested in hearing, um, how she went about this, how she did this. So, uh, Aislinn, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Clay. Welcome, welcome. Uh, so just to start from the very beginning, uh, what made you interested in making uh, a change or an environmental change in your community or your school? So I would say that there were a couple of things that led up to the ultimate, you know, passing of the ban, which was, I was in this like club at school called Eco Club, which was, um, it was sort of just, we would get together and talk about environmental things. And we would also like do this thing, which is kind of gross, which, which is we would stand at the garbage cans at lunch and like wear gloves and like sort through the trash that people were throwing away to make sure it all went into the right bins. Cause the whole composting at school thing was kind of new by the time I was in middle school. So this was like a pretty big deal. We got name tags and everything. It was like super fancy, um, for our trash duty. And, um, so eco club, this was really cool. I was in it with all my friends, um, who also happened to be in girl scouts with me. So I'm with this group of girls and we're in girl scouts and we're in eco club together. And there's this thing in girl scouts. I don't know how much you know about girl scouts, probably, you know, I don't expect you to know a lot, but, there's this there are these awards you can get um there's the bronze award silver award and gold award and we had already done our bronze award a couple of years ago all us together and we decided you know well we're in eco club and we're learning about all this environmental stuff we we, we were doing a thing about styrofoam we were like we should do our our silver award about styrofoam at our school because you know we're sorting through all these garbage cans seeing all this styrofoam that people are throwing away and it's kind of you know frustrating to be learning about that and then seeing it happen and so we sort we just decided to kind of take action with that and um we reserved a slot at like a school board meeting kind of like how you were doing with your town hall um meeting you know the the presentation that you're making so we wrote up this proposal for a ban on styrofoam in our school district and there was some precedent for this it had been um like so there were similar policies that had been adopted in other school districts in like la and point reyes and and even you know sonoma county and places like that so we just decided to sort of take that on in sort of a small scale context and we were just doing styrofoam you know i know there have been bans on things like plastic bags and that sort of thing but we weren't really focused on that we were just focused on styrofoam because that's what we were seeing every day with you know the hot lunch that people would get which is like you can order lunch ahead and they'll deliver it to you in these little styrofoam containers so we did all this research you know like we researched the health effects of styrofoam the environmental effects and turns out there's some pretty freaky stuff like the styrofoam or you know polystyrene is full of these chemicals called um i want to say chlorofluorocarbons wait i should probably look that up but i'm pretty sure if i remember correctly it's been a while but i'm pretty sure that's what they're called but basically yeah. they cause yeah you probably know they you know cause all kinds of like things they can contribute to cancer and i don't even i don't even know but it's bad basically and when you're a middle schooler it's not difficult to understand that um 
it is bad. So that was sort of our main point, you know, that we had the health benefits or sorry, the health detriments, as well as the environmental, it doesn't decompose for like a million billion years or however long. So we get our little presentation, our little slideshow ready, and we've written all these letters to the board and reserved a, a, a time slot to talk about it. And we go in and present and it's a unanimous yes from everybody there because obviously, you know, they're excited to see people, to see students, middle schoolers taking, I think I was in like sixth grade. So wow. I was pretty so they were like oh yay people these kids taking action you know trying to make change and so they passed the ban which was exciting and as far as i know i mean we passed it in 2017 oh wait so actually i guess i would have been in like seventh grade anyways we passed it in 2017 and as far as i know it is still in effect in our school district so that yeah that was about it and we got our silver award so very cool wow yeah congratulations um, so I think that that is that is a perfect example of what I think people can be doing and something that's uh, realistic for people to be doing. Um, what do you think that obviously you had your sort of a, a silver award as initiative and um, you were able to do that research and uh, use that as a, a launching pad. But what what resources did you use to kind of go about making that resource uh, make, making that research, what resources did you use to go about um, trying to make that change? Is it something that you um, just identified immediately and addressed? Was there a trial and error period? Well, we, I mean, in terms of the research, a lot of this stuff is just available in articles on the internet. And, you know, they don't really teach you how to read articles in middle school. So we didn't know a lot about that. But there is a lot of stuff that's published about you know the effects of styrofoam and all the reasons why it shouldn't be used um so we just sort of went with that and of course also we had this teacher who ran our eco club and was really knowledgeable about this sort of thing so we and she was sort of like our like our advisor throughout the process so she kind of she knew a lot and she was helping us through the whole way so i think that that's you know that can be applied in you know whatever sort of context whatever change you're trying to make if you find somebody who knows a lot about it and then also take it upon yourself to do a little bit of research about why this change should be made then i think you know it's just as simple as that awesome yeah so i found myself <laughs> uh for my plastic straw thing i found myself looking at uh the precedent from california the statue from california a lot um, you mentioned other communities. Is there anything else in specific or um, any uh, kind of movements or things that inspired you guys um, to make the change that you did? Um, I don't know that there was anything in specific. We really just, I mean, we mentioned that sort of, in our, in our, in our presentation, we mentioned that precedent because it was just something that we were using to help our case. I mean, it wasn't like we saw that and we're inspired, although I could imagine how that would be inspiring for somebody trying to make change. But um, I mean, they're all, you know, looking into it, it's all sort of similar things, things like plastic bags, straws, um, polystyrene, um, but people all over are taking it upon themselves to make this sort of change. And I think that's just what we were trying to touch upon in our presentation. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that there was like a unanimous yes vote from the school committee. Um, was there really any pushback at all for what you were doing or was it just smooth sailing? 
There, okay, so after the after our presentation to the board, we just sort of followed up a little bit, and then pretty much it just went into effect. But I'm not sure if they like made. I'm assuming they made changes to it a little bit because you know we're these middle schoolers. We don't super know a lot about you know school legislation or just any sort of legislation. So I'm assuming they made some changes to make the bill a little bit more a bit easier to enact or just more reasonable. But um, there wasn't any opposition when we initially proposed it because it's, you know, on all fronts, it's something that you want to happen. You know, it's it's a change that you want you want to set a good example for your students. You want to. And of course, you're thinking about their health and you're thinking about parents who are going to if they OK, let's say they didn't pass this. And there's a parent that hears about this and is like, wait a second, the school board isn't prioritizing my child's health. You know, this is terrible. We should move to a different school district. So they're doing what's in their, not only their own best interest, but the students. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so do you remember what they replaced the styrofoam with? Because I think what's what's really interesting about the bureaucracy of uh, towns is that you mentioned that they might have changed it a little bit. Um, in In my case... They really didn't change my proposal at all. I just said, can we remove the straws? And they just took the box out. And I think what's interesting about local government is that um, they really, there's there's really not much to it in uh, especially the, the, the small scale cases like you're looking at with the styrofoam. Um, they probably just did a couple um, financial move arounds in the budget, the school budget, um, and replaced it with whatever they did. Um, and it probably worked out. So that's, that's just my, um, two cents on that. I'm not sure what happened. Um, but we can do a little bit of a follow-up. Um, and just, yeah, what did they replace it with? If you're aware? Well, so, yeah, the thing is, is it was, um, they, like, okay. So I'm thinking about the hot lunch containers in specific. They were, it was the way that the system worked was, you would order something like, let's say a baked potato and they would go to a local restaurant or let's see, in specific, there was this like, there's like this chicken salad that I would get every Wednesday. And it came from this local restaurant called, it was like a, it was like a wraps place. And they would, they would order it from there. And I, I'm assuming they would deliver it over or something. But basically, the styrofoam container was what the restaurants would use to package the stuff. So it's not like the school was packaging it. It was, it was being outsourced. And so I want to say they sort of delivered something of an ultimatum to the restaurants like they were like you know if you're going to be continuing to use styrofoam after this certain date then we won't buy from you anymore but that now that i'm thinking about it seems sort of unreasonable so i i think that's probably my memory failing but i do remember it was phased out over the next couple of years although although beyond that i'm not sure completely how that's that's really interesting so i guess we get the uh east coast west coast thing going on and a little bit of a disconnect um, I'm not 100% familiar with that that lunch program. That's really quite interesting. So where, like, where around in California is that, and is that like a common thing in all of California, or is that something you've just experienced in your middle school? You know, I couldn't tell you. I know they had it at my middle school, but they didn't have it at my high school. Like, in, in high, when I was in high school, they would just, um, it was just you know stuff that was cooked in the cafeteria. Um, but in middle school, it was all all the lunch programs. And as in elementary school as well, actually, all of the lunches, all the hot lunches were um, outsourced. And I think that they've actually changed that 
now that they, they switched to a different program for the elementary schools. Um, and it's something that's supposedly more healthy. And I don't know if they actually are going to this anymore for that. Um, but that's just how it was when I was there. Like we would get it in like Chinese food containers from from a local Chinese place. And that's just how they would do it. And I, I am not sure if that's how they do it now, but it's how it was when I was there. Wow. That's uh, really interesting. And I think that it's a really interesting way to support, I, I guess I would say support local businesses. Um, and at the same time, um, it's not necessarily like the locally grown thing that I've read a lot about. Uh, and it's kind of a, we, it, that's an interesting, that's a very interesting lunch, lunch alternative. But to get a little bit more to the uh, environmental side of things, um, if you know, California is, has been very progressive with, um, especially with the former governor, with the um, statewide bans on plastic bags, SB 270 uh, in 2014, and uh, I think it was the Assembly Bill uh, 1884, uh, which was the first statute banning plastic straws in the state. Um, so all this stuff is happening. Um, and this is sort of a two-pronged question. Do you think that this is a response to local momentum in California, local, you know, people like you going in and um, banning things and restricting things? Um, and what do you think needs to happen next? Obviously, uh, you're going to say styrofoam, but if somehow styrofoam um, happens to get banned, which it should uh, statewide, um, what do you think is next for environmentalism in the state of California? And I guess the greater question is the United States. Um, do you think that this is something that is based on trends or do you think it's just something that uh, former Governor Brown decided to do? Yeah, well, okay. So to address your first question, I do think that it is a response in part to local movements and not necessarily just like people passing bans or anything, but just a general, um, a general dislike, I don't know about dislike, but a, um, a disdain for for you know plastic and non-biodegradable materials like if you're just around like shopping centers people will bring people are bringing their own bags people are doing things you know even if it's just little things like like you bring your own bag or bringing your own straw or um or whatever it may be like people are definitely not wanting to use materials that are going that they're going to feel bad about that they're that they know are not going to be um, processed in a sustainable way. And, um, and I think that that's really what's at the root of the legislation that's being, um, that's being processed these days regarding those sorts of materials. And sorry, remind me, what was your second question? Um, what do you think should happen next in terms of, uh, like if all of, if, if all of the environmental goals for single use plastics and styrofoam, um, in terms of banning and restrictions, eventually happen what do you think is the next step oh right well i think that unfortunately a lot of environmental issues have been sort of put on the back burner um this past year for obvious reasons right. um i know that uh i just read this morning that um joe biden plans to elect um, cabinet members who are really environmentally progressive and i think that once Thing, once the obvious things happen, like, you know, styrofoam is banned, plastic bags banned, whatever, th these things start to get phased out, then I think the next steps will sort of, will just sort of follow naturally from there. Like, um, and I mean, even if things don't get 
banned completely per se like i know it's safeway they charge you extra for plastic bags these days or you know or things like that and there is just you know you'll come you'll see like a sign that says like don't use a straw because you know whatever billions don't get decomposed and things like that just things that are getting people thinking about it and i think that once um you know once this once that becomes sort of a a widespread thing that everybody's aware of it won't be difficult to make those sorts of changes that everybody because everybody will know that it's in their best interest like the school board people when i was getting my presentation like it's just sort of something that will become obvious and the next steps will just follow naturally sure yeah and i think um definitely a way to do that spreading awareness is stuff like this you know talking about it um and at the same time um getting change done at the local level because as much as I really appreciate that um, Biden and the federal and the state governments are um, pushing towards this um, the the environment is not going to wait uh, so that that's kind of a lead into my next question um, as someone who has made change uh, as a young person how would you recommend young people get involved um, with their local schools local governments to make change um, do you think that it needs to be easier? Um, do you think that it needs to be quicker? And how would you go about doing that? What would you say um, to the people who are looking to get involved? Right. Well, I mean, I think that it's I think that the most important thing is to the most important piece of advice I would give to somebody is to find an, to, to you know, to find an issue that you really are that is important to you that you're passionate about, like, you know, for me, when I was in middle school, I was in this eco club, so we were being exposed to all these sorts of issues. And styrofoam was something that I was also exposed to every day. And, and you know, the frustration of having to dig it out of the garbage can every day really, I think, gave me the sort of the sort of passion that was necessary for the prep for, you know, motivating this process. And I think that for anybody who's wanting to just make change, but they don't know what to do, just look around in your community and find and you know look for something that gets you motivated, something that makes you in, and then take the next steps from there. And I would say start small. Like for me, that was just you know a school board meeting, and um and you can and you can find that in any community with any issue, and then of course do the research, you know get informed, and I think that that's really all you need to do to equip yourself to make change. And of course become acquainted with the with the, pre, with the pre-existing legislature and what sort of steps need to be taken to um to fix that and what what the opposition is of course because you know why have why hasn't this already been happening everywhere well because of local businesses and because of and because of big businesses that are wanting to sell their styrofoam products here and are trying to keep people in the dark about health um about health detriments and and environmental you know effects and things like that so you know just just getting informed and getting passionate about an issue i think that's what that should be the first step yeah i think that's that's really interesting because I've had to tiptoe around the whole idea of um, things that are and businesses that are contributing to um, sink use plastics in our environment. And I think that it's it's quite interesting from my perspective because one of the big arguments that I made with my um, plastic straw restriction is the in a sense that um, it is a it is a doubly beneficial, I guess you could say, symbiotic. Um, relationship between getting rid of plastic straws, helping our environment, and also helping American industry. Um, and I think what a lot of people don't realize is that we would really be better off if 
we just get rid of single-use plastic, styrofoam. It's not like people really, really enjoy styrofoam. Like, Aislinn, have you ever, like, thought to yourself, like, oh, man, I need st- I need my styrofoam. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to eat food out of a container. I mean, as much as I enjoy squishing packing peanuts between my fingers, I can't say that I've felt that. Yeah, exactly. I think that there's there's a certain connection to straws. Um, I've I've met some very adamant people who are also um, very climate conscious. They just like their straws for some reason. Um, <laughs> the same way, I guarantee you, there as as weird as it is, I think that there's probably somebody out there, maybe on like my weird obsession or something, who's just in love with styrofoam. Yeah. But <laughs> I think it's I really do think it's something that we can give up. I think as a as a as a larger um, consensus, like for the greater good, as much as it seems like we're giving something up, we're actually contributing to American business. And if we stop buying um, plastic straws in bulk um, from from China, um, we're going to be buying alternatives from America. And when more money goes to those alternatives uh, for styrofoam, for straws, for single-use plastics. Um, there's going to be more R&D put into those, and it's going to get much, much closer to those wonderful um, hunks of styrofoam and wonderful um, pieces of plastic, which a lot of people really don't realize. They don't think about the long term like that. Um, And so just one more larger scale question, you know, one of the questions that I guess I prepared here, um, the goal of, of this podcast, the, the major goal, obviously, to inform and to educate, but um, something that I'm looking at in the long term is you talked about um, your, your eco club, and I've read about um, people, youth all over the nation um, having a, a teacher or a mentor. I had um, my dad who sponsored the bill for me um, just because he's my dad, but I think that getting that wisdom is something important. But it's something that needs to be brought down to the youth with the youth, uh, the quickness and the understanding that the climate is not going to wait for tomorrow. The climate is not going to sit in the chamber of the Senate and just watch um, the protests and do nothing. Um, So if members of the youth were to form an environmental coalition based on local legislation, local change, um, what do you think should be focused on? Um, What do you think it should look like? and you know what do you think it would have to be like for you to want to get involved so you mean like a like a nationwide just thing that that young people are are seeing and getting interested in is that sort of what you mean i mean you could say a movement you could say an interest group you could say um a whole number of things i mean it's i don't want to say i don't want to say it's a new idea but i think that it's as I said earlier, I think it's the po- the, the 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 palpable the the reasonable next step for like. Have you did you go to any of the climate marches? Did you go to any of those? Yeah, the, a couple years back I did. Oh, a couple I, years back! I, Whoa, hold on. It was in like my junior year. Yeah, my junior year I went to one. Okay. Yeah. And you like there there was a lot of energy there, right? There was a lot of we need to do something. We will do something. Definitely. Yeah. So you're talking. So, you know, importantly, you're talking about like a national movement, not something not just a, like a community oriented 
uh, like group per se. Well, well, it's a it's a national local movement. If you get my drift, right? Hmm. Okay. So yeah, like something that's got a national, like I don't know about leadership, but a national, uh, a na- it's got a community focus, but it's happening on a national level. Is that what you kind of mean? Yeah. So what would you want that to look like if it were to be a thing? I mean, I don't know. I think that I think that what you mentioned with the climate climate marches sort of sums it up. Like, I think that there's definitely the motivation there. Like people, it's not that people don't want to join the, a, a movement like you're describing. I think it's just there isn't one that really exists in an organized fashion. So I guess if it were to exist, I think that there should be a... Um, Sort of a, a centralized, but not not necessarily democratic leadership, but definitely one that represents the interests um, that reflects what people really want, which is change and change now. So I think that they should, you know, ideally they would pick a couple of key issues, climate related or just, you know, environmentally related, because there are so many. That's really the other thing. Like, there's just so much. People are like, stop global warming. Well, okay. Have you looked at what is causing quote unquote global warming? There is so there are so many things to worry about. So I think that to narrow it down and whether that's, you know, banning plastic locally, uh, you know, whether that's whether the, the aim of the movement is to inspire people to, you know, take action locally regarding, you know, plastic or styrofoam or whatever it may be like there definitely should be um, it should be focused because, you know, what we have right now is sort of just this, you know, energy like people just saying people say like okay i took a class a couple years back and my teacher referred to them as like t-shirt activists like people who will wear the t-shirt and they'll say they want to make change but when it comes down to it there's nothing really for them to do or they're just not really taking the action so i think that an organization which gives people you know the resources and the instructions that they need to to take to take action in you know whatever community like they're providing mentors or they're providing you know research opportunities for i mean I want to say young people, but it could really be anybody. Um, I think that would be the most um, important aspect of a movement like that. But I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> um, I I have been passionate about this for, for a while now. And I think that um, doing my research and looking at people like you who are making change and who have been making change and who've been doing the research, because as as you and i know it's just it's there it's on the internet it is you can find studies and theses you can go on anywhere from jstor to youtube and find some really interesting stuff um and what's really fascinating to me about this movement is um you'll see um you the audience will see um with the guests that i have lined up it's it's an incredibly diverse movement um i calling back to the whole idea of the environment as a bipartisan issue. Um, the environment is something that stretches throughout um, all different types of people in America and all parts of America and um, all parts of the world. And I think that a group like this is just the next, it's the logical next step. Um, and I think that once the the ball gets rolling, I think that it's it's going to be less so worrying about um, how to get change happening and more so worrying about what to do next and where to go next because there's a whole system in place. Um, the United States sort of has this hidden system of, hey, you can definitely make a change, but we're not going to tell you about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think the 
the invisible the invisible cloak has to be lifted off of this um, very tangible and very real means of making environmental change in in our 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 country. And to kind of sum it up a little bit, the reason that I'm calling that, again the reason I'm calling this a 2050 problem is that um, you can't just sit on your couch and look at politicians and refresh um, news sites online and say, oh yeah, this is going to happen by 2050. Um, you're going to have to make compromises. And in the short term, it's going to suck. The short term, if you like eating styrofoam or playing with styrofoam, um, if you like um, you know, your single-use plastics, if you like um, throwing your trash in the recycling because it's funny, um, you're going to have to give that up. That's going to have to give. Um, and if, if it doesn't give, we're not going to be here by 2050. Um, but I think that there is there's change to be made. Um, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, Aislinn, when, uh, when I say that there are people uh, here who are ready, ready, willing, and now have the time uh, to hop on some Zoom town meetings, uh, to hop on some Zoom school committee meetings, um, attempt to deal with the chaos, and uh, get it done. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, and it really... Uh, it kind of is just as simple as that, you know, as getting a getting a spot, getting some knowledge and, and a plan and going after it. And I, and I just want to go back to what you said about it being a bipartisan issue. And I know everybody says this, but that's just so, you know, funny to me and not in like a ha ha funny way, obviously. But like, if you're not, you know, if you're not advocating for climate change, who are you really representing? Like, what, whose interests are you representing in your place as a, you know, senator or legislature or whatever? legislator or whatever you know whatever it is whatever office that you're holding who are you whose interests are you representing here because it's not the people it's not the you know citizens it's anyways but yeah i definitely agree i definitely agree that change is you know making change is a lot close is it is a lot closer to being within reach than people you know generally think yeah um i think that you, you sort of stirred away from this, and I just want to make sure that this is crystal clear. Um, mm -hmm. People aren't making change. Um, again, you say, like, why is it, why is it against? Um, why are they going against American issues? And I think both you and I know that this is pretty clearly a result of lobbying. This is pretty clearly a result of, you know, uh, an ooh-money conundrum. And I'm a big fan of the, um, just historically... Um, I'm a big fan of the, the Gilded Age, and I don't think we're quite there, but I don't think that the Gilded Age has really quite left us, um, and considering how much pollution happened during that time period, um, and how much, like, you'll see a headline, and I don't, I don't want to go on a rant about this too long, um, you, you see these headlines that are like, oh, Trump has just allowed for acres and acres and miles and miles of land in Alaska to be fracked or drilled. Or um, he has, or the federal government, even before Trump, has just allowed for um, national parks to no longer be national parks and to be drilled for oil. Um, that's just un-American. It's just simply tried and true un-American. Um, and I think, that, <laughs> I, I think that... There needs to be there needs to be some sort of a an awakening to that and a realization that this isn't something that just happens. This is um, our federal government essentially 
saying we don't care about your interests and we need to say back we're, we're essentially saying oh that sucks but instead we need to say back to them with actual legislation that they have to respond to um no we like our national parks we really don't prefer oil and it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult because oil is um what a lot of people rely on but uh it's got to change yep that it just comes down to that it's got to change and it'll either yeah. change or we'll die so there you go <laughs> <laughs> well a uh very interesting note to end on um but i think that um overall it's been very uplifting um so thank you aislin thank you for being here um i appreciate you sharing your experience um and we hope to hear many more stories in the future and we hope that you um and people like you go off and um take that information and make a change so um Thank you so much. This has been um, Clay Navarano and Jason Welch. Uh, 2050 problem. Thank you. And peace out.